and welcome to Musicale Pathways, the podcast which focuses on the different pathways in which musicians take in order to reach their musical goals. Our first podcast is going to be talking to the teachers of Musicale platform so that we can get to know them a bit better. And our first guest is the guitarist from the folk group, Macquarie and Toms. He's travelled all around the country and parts of Europe playing in loads of festivals and venues such as Glastonbury and most recently has been doing online performances to their audience all the way over in Mexico. So today we have Jamie Toms, a fellow music teacher here at Musicale. Hi Jamie. Hi Gary, thanks for having me on. As I said at the top, we're going to be having a look at the ways in which musicians have developed their skills in order to reach to their goals and become professional musicians. And while doing this, we're going to take a few stops along the way to find the opportunities in which music has given us. Before we do that, let's just get to know you a little bit. So um, what role did music play for you in your early years? Um, well, when I was quite young, I mean, we always had like guitars around the house. My, my dad played guitar. And um, so I remember when I was quite young, just like picking up the guitar every now and again, just sort of playing around with it a little bit. And Did your dad play guitar from a young age as well? Or? Um, yeah, I think he played a bit when he was a teenager. And I think my nan used to tell stories, they used to run a guest house and apparently dad used to like sing Rolling Stones songs and stuff like that, like to the guests of the guest house. Oh, cool. So your dad played guitar. What... Um how did you start? So you just playing around with his guitars in the house? Yeah, and then I think from watching like Formula One on a Sunday afternoon, um, I tried to work out the chain by Fleetwood Mac, you know, because that was the intro for that. And at that it's point, my, my parents kind of came out and said, well, okay, well, maybe we should get you some guitar lessons if you enjoy it. So then I sort of took up guitar from there. Did you not realise it was a bass? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So, and then when you, so you started guitar, what sort of age was that? That was when I was quite young. I did, um, I got into playing classical guitar with, there used to be a school down here called the Classical Guitar School, the Spanish Guitar Centre. Oh, amazing. I didn't know about that. Yeah, it was, it was quite nice. It was like a, a husband and wife couple that sort of ran it. And we did like, a, I think some of my earlier concerts and stuff, we, we played like little group pieces there. And then as I got a bit older, I kind of drifted slightly away from the classical thing. And when I was in secondary school, I got into rock guitar and playing electric. And I think from there was when I was sort of a bit more serious about playing guitar or playing music in general. Yeah, it's a pretty normal step, isn't it? Like, especially as electric can be viewed as maybe a little bit cooler when you get older. Um, yeah. And, and it's a, quite a normal step, I think, that a lot of kids do move away from classical guitar. Did you have a band then in secondary school? Not so much. I mean, I, I did a couple of, like, I played in school bands and stuff, but there wasn't a huge sort of musician community, I would say. And we had, like, little projects that we played along with and things, but I would say it was more a kind of... I stayed in my bedroom playing quite a long time. Yeah. And then when I went to college, I decided to study music, and from there I've sort of played in bands ever since. Did you get? Did you do a course in college where you get put in a band? Did you do one of those yeah. kind of things? Yeah, yeah, I did the um, the B Tech. So yeah. that was, and our band, we got on quite well. So we ended up like going and playing local pubs every weekend and doing a lot of covers band gigs. 
Yeah, I think it, around around that sort of time, that's probably like like mid early two thousands, isn't it? Like around yeah. around that sort of period, and, and I think it was quite alive, like a lot of pub gigs back then. Um, so was your first gig with your like proper band a pub gig, or was it like a school performance at, as part of your B Tech? Um, I'd say I'd done some stuff like I'd I'd played in school concerts and I'd played in some college things. And then, yeah, I think probably pub gigs were were the next sort of step for me. Yeah, and it, did that hook you even more, or was that like a a side part of playing music? Like, was it the performance that you liked, or was it just a part of being in the band? Um, I to be honest, I really enjoy the thing I was really into up until started gigging was trying to like emulate the sounds that I heard on on CDs and things like. I had this um, really geeky poster of like amp settings to try and get classic tones of famous guitar solos and stuff. So the classic guitarist so, thing of all the gear. Yeah. So I was like, I was quite into that sort of thing. But then when we started gigging, it was just, I think it was just like the, you know, playing loud and being out there and doing it. I I really enjoyed the sort of live music side of it and just being out and playing. So how how did you then make the the kind of progression from kind of electric band music over to folk um when i did i did a degree in jazz cool. and i was friends with a couple of people that played gypsy jazz oh yeah so i kind of i think that was my first actual gig where i played acoustic guitar and we sort of went out and did gypsy jazz stuff and then uh, me and a guy called tim played in a duo for a while and we would go and play in like restaurants and things like that and then a bit later on, when I did my master's in world music, I decided to study Cornish folk music as my dissertation. And I was sort of playing with some groups like that. They sort of said, oh, come along and play. And from there, they sort of said, well, we're going to France and we need a guitarist. Can you come and play guitar for it? And of course you said yes. And then from there, I kind of, I was sort of in the scene. So I ended up playing a load of gigs for like dance groups and things like that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So... So that was your kind of transition. You started on acoustic, moved away to electric, and then kind of found your way back to acoustic again. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I mean, I still enjoy playing electric, um, but it was just at the time a lot more acoustic gigs were coming up, so you kind of go where the go where the gigs are, really. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. That's cool. Did you did you find that any of that stuff that you'd learned back when you were learning classical came into use when you kind of came back to the acoustic again and we're in that world I guess I think it was sort of the the traditional things I'd learned like reading music and things like that came back in because alongside playing the folk stuff I was also doing sort of gigs for um playing in like pit bands and things for shows oh, yeah. and there was a lot of sight reading in that so I suddenly was using these skills that I'd needed before and yeah, I was kind of, I came back a little bit to playing more classical type stuff as I was older. So it's sort of always been there. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I do think reading notation gets overlooked quite quickly as soon as you move on to electric guitar. But but there's actually quite a lot of jobs where being able to read notation kind of puts you ahead of some of the others, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And um, when I started the jazz degree, the the guitar teacher on the course he sort of said well I'm not going to be able to teach you jazz unless you can read music 
and for the first two months of the of my guitar lessons we just sat and did sight reading practice and working on reading until my skill was up enough to be able to sort of carry on with the learning yeah i think that was that was quite a steep learning curve for me yeah i think i had a very similar thing in that i i think i i learned a bit of kind of base sight reading as part of my exams for my grades and then beyond that kind of didn't actually take it into any practicality until i actually needed it and then it was a bit of a um <laughs> bit of a hard rush to get those skills back into my <laughs> head um yeah i would just remember re- weeks of reading which i know like i probably could have avoided if i <laughs> remembered what i'd done all the way back at the beginning so you don't realize how important it is as a skill until you actually need it do you no i think especially if you're if you're trying to be a professional musician you know actually dots do appear more than more than you'd think even if you're on an electric instrument you know a lot of people think just because you're on an electric guitar or an electric bass that they're not going to pop up but I've, I've been given sheets of music for tuba and told to play it on a bass before so <laughs> <laughs> it's um it definitely crops out so when did you start with Stuart McQuarrie? So yeah from sort of playing around the Cornish folk scene for a bit. Stu and I ended up playing in playing for a dance group. So there were like people that danced and we were the band that played the tunes. And we kind of got on really well and decided it'd be fun to do some do some more playing like that. So we kind of went aside and worked on a duo set. What sort of um, time was this? Like Oh, this was a few years ago now, probably about five or six years ago. Okay, so relatively recently then, not not yeah, super, yeah, super and we we both done a lot of other stuff before that, but just n- not really in the same group. Yeah, that's cool. And we were both kind of really keen to explore a bit more sort of technology and pedal boards and seeing if we could bring more sort of electric stuff into an acoustic duo and just try and make it sound as big as possible, really. Yeah, which I I think is actually quite a big thing in a lot of folk music nowadays, isn't it? Like Like modern folk is trying to kind of step away from the tradition a little bit in the sound but still keeping the kind of ethics there isn't it yeah definitely and um i think for me like bringing in the bass pedal really sort of opened up a lot of sound for us it saved you having to employ a bass player (laughs) it was yeah it was largely that kind of thing it was it was kind of out of practicality of like if there's only two of you you can you can travel quicker and it's cheaper so i've got this um this pedal which just takes the lowest two strings of the guitar and puts them down an octave yeah and then you can fade it in and out as you play so it kind of yeah super useful a load of guys use that that kind of stuff don't they um i'm trying to think who is it newton faulkner uses that as well doesn't he on his on his lace yeah i think so and a lot of the um like irish trad guys are using it nowadays so oh cool yeah yeah it's good so so what's the kind of um what's your your biggest and best performance you've done or are they the same thing are they different things well i don't know i think i think some of the biggest performances for me aren't the most exciting because when it's a really big performance you kind of you've really worked for it and you've really rehearsed it and it goes well and i think that's kind of i mean that's a great thing and we've played in um i think one of my biggest gigs would probably be i played at a festival with a singer as a duet and we played as part of a stadium show oh cool yeah so it was like you know playing to several thousand people and we had 
two minutes and 27 seconds to perform the piece and then there was 15 <laughs> seconds of applause and then we had to leave. That sounds about right for these, for um, these big gigs. Yeah, I, I think they'll probably surprise they'll probably surprise some kind of younger people who probably think that those big gigs are like the not be all and end all, but like a, a kind of end goal for a lot of musicians is to play on a big stage in front of thousands of people. And I agree that actually when you get there it's not not that it's not a bad gig, it's not bad in any way, but it's not as um it's not necessarily your best gig you've ever done just because you're in front of a million people no i think i think my favorite ones um we do we do this festival in um Brittany, and we had there's like a couple of different stages that you can play and there's the sort of cornish tent there's a cornish tent in Brittany. yeah yeah well it's it's an inter-celtic festival so it's it's all of the nations go and they all have like their different areas and things like that and yeah, so it's like probably one of the smallest stages and it's outdoor and it's in the middle of the summer and I think my favourite one was just we played in on this Cornish stage and we joked about having a riot barrier and we'd all laughed about that but yeah, we were doing this really late night thing there was a lot of drunk people turned up and started having a having a good time and I think that gig held the record for the most amount of outdoor furniture that got broken during a gig (laughs) and then the stage got mobbed by people dressed as unicorns that came on to dance i mean it sounds so folk and and there was like crowd surfing and it was just utter utter destruction just that was the best gig to be honest because we were just really close to the audience everyone was having fun and then the next day they put up a crash barrier for us (laughs) you know it it all goes well (laughs) It is that, it's that, it's that, it's that kind of the energy, isn't it, of a live gig that makes it a good one. Yeah. And I, I think you kind of, you can lose some of that energy in, in a bigger gig. Whereas I really like the ones where you just, you're just in it and you feel like you're, you're part of it with everybody else that's enjoying your music. Is that, is that what you enjoy about playing music as well? That, that kind of live energy, you know? Definitely, yeah. I I think it really makes a difference, and you kind of I find it really hard to play when we play like a more concert kind of thing where everyone's sat down in a, in a theatre. I find those gigs a lot harder to enjoy. Yeah, I totally agree. I completely agree. They they, they it's not that they're unenjoyable. They're just it's not got the same sort of vibe, and they can no, they can absolutely. actually they can have a nice vibe, but just in an entirely different way, can't they? It can be like quite a relaxed or fun vibe when it's when it's just people sat down watching you know yeah so, i just i also think though they they don't create as many stories that is true that is true <laughs> although i've got some i've got some good pit band stories that are um divulge at some point <laughs> <laughs> um so while you've been doing all this I, I guess you've been improving and making yourself a better musician um uh, what what were you kind of how are you practicing between that period where you were where you first started to where you've gotten now were you practicing a lot were you practicing i know you said you're mainly practicing by yourself but as you got bands were we starting to practice within bands practicing with Stu? yeah i mean i think when a band starts you tend to put more rehearsal into it than once you're gigging and yeah well because you're kind of you're kind of practicing the art of you're still practicing, but you're you're doing it live, then, aren't you? You know, you're yeah, you're developing. Yeah, your, exactly. You're playing in a live situation. But then, yeah, as a 
as a guitarist, I kind of, I'm trying to keep all the plates spinning a lot of the time when I'm practicing. So I'll spend a bit of time doing jazz, playing rock guitar, and then playing acoustic as well, which I think in a lot of ways has slowed down my progress because yeah. once you're trying to spread yourself thin, it just, everything takes a little bit longer. But yeah, I've got quite a short attention span, so I quite enjoy having variety in what yeah. I do. It just gives you it gives you that kind of motivation to try something else, doesn't it? When you've got more than one instrument, yeah, but definitely. I, I know there's like a couple thought paths of like you know you get those people who kind of take one instrument all the way up to its limits, and then they try and use the skills which they've gained in that instrument and put it over to others, and th- and then there's people who like to kind of pick up loads of instruments all at once and kind of push them all forward in like equal but smaller amounts as you go along and i know you are a man of many instruments <laughs> um I, I try and limit it to things with frets things with frets yeah yeah so, i can uh, i can see that <laughs> mand- mandolin's one that i'm i'm quietly enjoying at the moment but... you got no fretless mandolin then no god that, <laughs> it's hard enough to keep them in tune as they are i know i i i don't mind a fretless bass um but i I prefer a fret. <laughs> I did have a fretless guitar for a while. That was a, a weird six months. <laughs> that, that's bar that's co- difficult. I, I know bar chords didn't go well. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Because like, mm. you get um, different tension as you push down, don't you? So, yeah. so you actually have to put your fingers at all kind of angles to get your bar chords to work properly. I think as well, for a, for a while with practicing, because we were gigging so much... I found that I was kind of doing a lot of maintenance practice where I was just like trying to keep skills up rather than actually developing. Yeah. And I think from from last year when we've not been gigging, it's been really interesting to go back to practicing for development rather than practicing just to keep things ticking over. Yeah. Have you, have you been kind of employing any different techniques that you could you could share to some students about like how have you been trying to improve those skills that you've let wane a little bit yeah so what what i've done what i do for a long time when i'm gigging a lot i tend to focus less on creativity and more on like technique and exercises and things like that um but one thing i'm really enjoying again recently is just putting on playlists and trying to play along yeah and like you can just stick on like spotify or anything like that and and just try and play as many different pieces as you can and try and like emulate the sound as closely as you can so you mean like um um, like practicing in um so like using your ear to figure out songs yeah and using your ear to try and sort of nail down tones as well which as an electric guitar player is really important yeah so yeah i've just been sort of i've been really enjoying that again recently and i've been working with playing along to backing tracks and sort of improvising over them yeah. And yeah, just sort of actually playing for music's sake rather than practicing as a technique. Yeah, and I, I, do, I do like the kind of using your ear to practice because as you say, it, it does feel much more like you're being musical, you know, like you're you're kind of using your ear and the instrument to make noises and understand noises as opposed to the theoretical side, which is still yeah. super useful and like not to be undergraded or or put in the back burner but but actually you know developing musically is is a really nice way of doing it yeah i think i think i find it really hard to find a balance between the two yeah 
And I think for a while I've been like very focused on technical stuff. And now it's more about using all those technical things that I've been working on, but trying to create music with them and use them in musical ways. Yeah, I think that's a funny thing about learning in some ways in that like you you kind of go up a really steep hill trying to learn everything to start with and and you reach like a point where you're 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 really good at a lot of things and then you kind of realize that a lot of those things you don't use. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And therefore actually you you could um focus on the things that you do use and get better at them. So it's kind of like you go you plateau a bit and then you kind of come back down off of the hill and and you just focus on your kind of key areas that you enjoy. I think that the other thing with this, and I think that I always, um, my dad was always very good at this when I was younger, of being like, but can you actually play a song all the way through? Yeah. And I think for, as musicians, we kind of, it's very easy to lose sight of that kind of thing when you're focusing on like playing something really well that actually for normal people they just want to hear you play a song yeah i completely agree i completely agree like and it's so, yeah, that, i think that's important yeah it's that thing as well where you, you kind of learn a part of a song and then that is it <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you just learn, learn the, like the cool bit yeah yeah i want to know the really really cool bit and then kind of we'll leave the rest to to be what it is it's, it's the classic <laughs> yes. sm- i call that the classic smoke on the water yeah. Everyone can play smoke on the water up until it changes. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. the very <laughs> first riff. That is it. That's all we need. So that kind of gets us to our last question really and it probably won't be our last question because we'll meander around it a bit like we have. But um oh, actually I I go was going to add one more one more tip for students that I did think of. Go on. And that was I think it's really important to have a couple of clean jokes or about a minute and a half of talking that you can do to an audience. That is that is a super good tip, actually. Like, because you never know when someone's going to break a string or when something's going to go wrong on stage. And if you've got about a minute of filler that you can just do to an audience without a mic, without an instrument, I think that's like a really essential thing. That's like a that's like a you know a musician skill, isn't it? Definitely. You know, if yeah. you, if you can be on stage and be comfortable and be willing to like not be a guitarist for that that 10 minutes or whatever it might be um you can you can keep a crowd going and and there will always be disasters on stage i don't think i've ever done a gig without something happening no definitely and if you yeah if you've got that confidence to just fill time i think that really like it relaxes the band as well but it just makes things not seem so bad yeah and people don't notice People don't notice if something's gone wrong if if they if you look like you're doing what you're meant to be doing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great tip. That is a really good tip, and yeah, that probably goes to actually developing and practicing your persona as a musician. Yeah, I think that's that's really overlooked. I yeah. think that's that's a really important skill, and it's still a musical skill. Like to me, especially, I think like you're you're kind of musical persona you know think loads of great people have musical personas i guess on stage but yeah but, i think most most great performers yeah have developed that yeah and it, and it just makes people connect to you you know if they if they turn up and they know who they're seeing straight away then yeah you know it it just makes that whole performance a lot nicer for everyone involved 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great tip. And like I said, especially for gigging musicians, it's a massive tip. So we'll get to that. we'll go to that last question. That last question really just rounds up and kind of goes back to the beginning in that I want to know how music now affects you as an adult. So at the beginning we talked about in your early years how you kind of learned for your dad and it was always around you as a child but now you're not living with your dad so how is how's music around you as an adult i think i recently i've been enjoying it more again yeah i think there was, there was definitely a time maybe a couple of years ago where i was starting to feel a bit burnt out from just sort of always being out gigging I think I think that's the thing that probably gets overlooked by a lot of people as well. Like when yeah, you, when mean, you're a musician, it's and, relentless. Yeah, when you're when you're playing a lot of gigs, and in reality, even if you try and change up your set, you're still probably playing a lot of the same songs over and over yeah. again for a year. Um, it it can wear on you a bit, but I, I and I think a lot of people over this last year have kind of gotten back into listening. Yeah, I think it it's not that you don't enjoy what you're doing anymore it's just yeah like if you do anything for for too long it it just starts to grind on you a little bit and i've actually quite enjoyed just having a break from live performance and just spend a bit of time exploring and experimenting with music again and listening to things that i might not have listened to before yeah what's on the what's on the the listening have you got a record player jamie have you got a record player I do have a record player. I knew but, you'd um, have a record player. <laughs> when I'm, what's on, when what's I was spinning on well, the top. When I was younger, I worked in um, Tesco's and there was this guy that, that came in and he found out that I was a jazz student and he actually had like this old record collection and each week he would come in like as a regular customer and he'd bring me a record. That's amazing. Like every week and he'd he tell me like you? a little a little bit about it yeah yeah i've oh my had God. this i've got this collection of like i think it's about 40 or 50 really cool records that that's amazing this guy just decided he was going to teach me about jazz that's such a cool idea like it was yeah it was really cool yeah i i don't think you'd have that happen now <laughs> but that is amazing no. that is amazing so so what's on what's on the top there on the top of that is um i've, I've got to be honest it's a lot of sort of classic jazz and stuff there's a um, Anthony Braxton record on there at the moment, but that's a bit obscure, to be honest. <laughs> um, most of the time, though, I'm I'm using stuff like I do listen to a lot of music. I've got a lot digitally, yeah. And I've been really enjoying Fantastic Negrito recently. Oh, what's um, that? My, I've never heard of that. Ah, oh, it's it's awesome. It's just like really rock riff based. Really cool. I I really enjoy it. Um, what, what would you like? What would you equate it to if you were going to go for a mainstream band? Is it equatable? It's got, it's very similar to a sort of, in times it's got a bit of a Rage Against the Machine vibe. Cool. But with, with a, like a soul kind of singer rather than rapping. Nice. But, but, but that, is, like, that is the Rage thing is that you've kind of got a different style of vocal over it, isn't it? Yeah. And, so it, but yeah, they're, they're quite cool. And oh, just all sorts of, I've been really into um sort of, dark country music as well oh yeah i think that's been uh, do you know i think that's actually kicking up a bit everywhere a bit of country yeah yeah i think america's I, I, making its way over i quite like it i yeah. like anything in in the minor key with you know anything that sounds like an epic western <laughs> i think that's the kind of thing i'd like to do it's kind of like nine ten to humor that kind of feel <laughs> yeah 
Have you seen that? It's a good film. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Or I think Red Dead Redemption was the other one that I really enjoyed. Oh, oh yeah. For that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I've, I I still haven't played Red, Red, De- Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm still, still behind on that one. Everyone else has been on it. <laughs> That's okay, you've got something to look forward to. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah, get, getting back to it. But I've got to practice first. That's the important bit. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, that's been great though, Jamie. It's been cool learning about you. And we've you've got a few courses over on Musical, haven't you? Yeah, there's um, a couple going up soon. There's sort of introductions to chords and playing. And then Stu and I have started a folk fundamentals course where we're going to be talking about the basics of folk if you want to get into playing it. And then we'll go a little bit more technical from there as well so that you can learn a bit about folk music. Yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting because... I do think it's a bit of a hard genre to get into if you're not already into it, because it's, it it's, can be quite clicky, to be honest. It's There's just a... it's just so vast, you know. Like yeah. folk music is like such a massive thing that's been you know millions of years in the making, and and to try and catch up to it now can seem a little bit daunting, especially if you've not been from that sort of background. So I think it'd be really cool just that nice steady introduction into it and getting to understand how it works yeah definitely yeah awesome well i hope you dear listener have managed to gain some inspiration from this chat um and you go away and grab your instrument and maybe have a listen to some music and play along just like jamie does and um remember every path leads to your goals eventually so take everyone you can and until next time, bye.